2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office, I'm sorry, that's 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. I want to continue on in the study in, that has been presented. Should we hate false doctrine? We went over the definition. We went over uh, the different types of false doctrine uh, that we brought forth this morning. And like I said before, this is not all that there is out there. This is just some of the ones that um, we hear from day to day in the different um, times that we can hear these things going on. But um, we know that these different types of false doctrine are, are, are in some of the Lord's churches. And uh, it is a shame that, uh, that uh, good Sovereign Grace Baptist churches have some false doctrine in them. But we know that um, the Lord is in control of all things. Thirdly, in this study, we're going to see how f false doctrine gets into the church. Now, it gets into the church in different ways. Um, when I looked up the word false, uh, it brought forth different aspects of this. It said false witnesses, false prophets, false Christs, false brethren, false teachers, false pastors that are ignorant of the word of God. And all of these can be ignorant of the word of God. When you, when you look at the word ignorant, it doesn't mean that they're stupid. It basically means that they don't know or don't understand the things of God. And they want to bring in things that are not according to God's word. <clears throat> they can come in through the doors back there or through these doors. However way that we see, it can walk in through the doors. It can come in through social media. <clears throat> and it can come in through the mind of man in different ways. Those will come in sheep's clothing, as the Word of God says. We can look over at Second Peter chapter 2, in verse number 1 and 2. <clears throat> it says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable her heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth 
shall be evil spoken of. Let's look at another, Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. That's how it comes in, in disguise, in ways that we don't, um, a lot of times don't see. When they come in in sheep's clothing, as it says, they look like the truth, they present to a per certain abilities, they bring forth truth, but in lying in wait, they kind of wait until they can bring in their, what it says, damnable heresies. And they will do that. But that's how it gets into the church. They will come in and look and act like true believers, but are there to put forth their own beliefs. Or they may be there to infiltrate and take over the congregation and then take over the property, take the property away. That's how a lot of times it comes in, and that's sometimes what happens. Thirdly, and we touched on this this morning a little bit, allowing the celebrating of holidays. That's how it gets in. It, the, it brings in, you bring in those things a little bit at a time, and it will fester, and it will grow into more uh, abomination. <clears throat> it will come in false doctrine, one false doctrine at a time. It may come in slowly. If you remember the sin of David when he um, um, was looked upon Bathsheba at that time, it's found back in 2 Samuel in chapter 11. And we know this. We've studied it many, many times. But if you stop and think about how many sins that, that David did do in just that particular instance, you know, the, one of the reasons why the first reason or the first sin was that he did not go to battle as the custom of the kings to do. He was in the wrong place. He should have been in battle where he was supposed to be. Secondly, he looked upon the woman. He was, shouldn't have been looking. Thirdly, he sent for her. Fourthly, he lay with her. David tried, and fifthly, David tried to cover it up. In all of that, there's many sins that he did there just trying to cover it up. Sixthly, David had Uriah sent to the battle to be killed. He committed murder. And one of the results of that sin was that the baby that Bathsheba had had died later at that time. What about Peter's denial? Over in Matthew 26, 31 through 35, and then in 69 through 75. We won't read all of that. We know that also. But first of all, Peter lied to Christ, saying that he would not deny him. Secondly, Peter denied what the people were saying about him. They were saying, he's part of this one. But he denied that. Then Peter denied with an oath. He, it was getting serious to him. He was getting mad. He said, he basically saying, I didn't do this. I swear I didn't do it. And then he began to curse and swear. And then that's when the cock crew. 
when he denied him three times. But did you notice the progression of the sin in just in these two circumstances? In these two instances, notice the progression of the sin. That's how false doctrine gets into the church. There's a steady progression. Once it gets in and it takes a hold, then there, you can be assured that there's going to be more coming down the line. <clears throat> we, it comes into the churches through liberal members or pastors. Turn to Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 2. We'll look at verse 7 and 8. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. The priests said not, where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew, not, knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. <clears throat> when we think about churches, the modern churches today, we think about all the, the light shows that they put on up on their stage and all the bands and all the, um, uh, the music and everything else. We think about those type of things. We think about the celebrities that they may bring in to, uh, to do special services or whatever it might be. And then they, you see a lot, of, a lot of activities that they bring in to the church in order to proclaim what they want and the things that they try to do and all the things that they do to raise money and all these things. But once those things are presented in the church it will be hard to purge them out. And the reason is it will appeal to the flesh until it will be part of, be the central part of the services. The sermons begin to be shorter. They may take the place of Sunday school or even maybe Wednesday night services. The preaching of the word of God becomes second place to the activities that the, these churches will put forth. How do all these activities benefit the church if the gospel is diminished in those churches? <clears throat> and we know, and we've seen, maybe some of you have been parts of these churches that like to put in and get forth from the activities that they do. Another way, false, teach, for, false college teaching. So-called Christian colleges with teachers believing and teaching false doctrine. Now, why would they do that? Well, I don't know exactly, but maybe they sometimes they, they have somebody come in and teach or whatever that, and they want to uh, instruct them in some things that are not usually in some of the churches. So they'll bring in something and teach the students things that are not biblical or that they want to present and teach to them if for whatever reason. It's false doctrine. Going away from sound doctrine is another way. 
They stopped preaching about hell, the blood of Jesus Christ. They stopped preaching about sin, death, all of these things. They, they, they will quit preaching and teaching sound doctrine. Another way is compromising the Word of God. The word compromise means bargain, settlement, meet halfway, or give in. And that's part of the, the way the non-denominational do, is they'll compromise the Word of God, and they'll leave out things, they will bargain, they'll settle for certain things of the Word of God, but won't preach good, sound doctrine that needs to be preached in every, every church. <clears throat> so what happens when false doctrine is in the church? Small churches with weak members will grow in abundance into ungodly larger churches. Why? Because these people will bring in things that appeal to our flesh, that will appear to be scriptural, that will appear to be good for the church. But it's not, if it is false doctrine. But they, small churches will grow when you bring in these, these different things. If, you'll turn in, if you're in Jeremiah, go to chapter 5. Jeremiah 5, 29 through 31. says, Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? See, you start bringing in the things that appeal to the, to the flesh, they're going to love it. That's what they're going to want. If, they, if it appeals to the flesh, he says, my people love, it, love to have it so. So we see that it, when it comes into the, the church, the people love it. They will, tack, will hold on to it. <clears throat> Feel-good churches will prosper. But will they prosper spiritually? I doubt it very seriously. Another way or another thing that happens is contention in the church, confusion, compromising the word like I spoke of before. If you're in Jeremiah, look at Jeremiah 6, verses 16 through 21. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Therefore hear ye nations and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba, and the sweet cane from a far country, 
Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. <clears throat> Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lay a stumbling, I will lay stumbling box before this people, and the fathers and the sons together shall fall upon them, the neighbor and his friend shall perish. The truth people will not hearken unto. He says, We will not walk the in. The people will say, I don't want that. I don't want the good sound doctrine. I want the things that's going to make me feel good. The things that I don't have to worry about and I don't want my sins being brought forth in the church. I want it to be easy and plain and just to do my own thing. That's how it gets into the church. I saw on Facebook a cartoon uh, type of post, y'all may have seen it, that had a pastor behind a pulpit and had a congregation out there and all, everyone in the congregation was holding up a sign. And the signs that they were holding was, had different sayings on. And I just wrote down some of them. It says, they had, one had a sign that said, Don't mention hell, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Another one said, Please refer to sin as bad choices. Tell me again how much God wants to bless me. Make sure there are enough programs for my kids. How many of us here have heard that? Tell me how to get rich. Tickle my ears. If you don't do things my way, do you know how much money I give to the church? These things are going on in churches today. Every one of these things is false doctrine that are being presented and being taught in, in churches today, or I'll say assemblies today. <clears throat> Another question here, what will happen to these false prophets? They will move on to another church to corrupt, or they will take control of that church. They will move on, they'll get in there and infiltrate and make things the way they like to see it, and then they'll move on to another one. Or they'll just take over what they've done. Um, Proverbs 24. <clears throat> Proverbs 24. Let's look at verses 21 and 22. <clears throat> My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? You know, it will. When you bring in these things, it will rise quickly, won't it? It'll come suddenly. Another thing that happens, it will scatter the sheep. Churches split over different beliefs or doctrine or whatever many times weak members will be the first to go and probably not look for another church to attend let's go back to jeremiah there's quite a few verses a few verses i want to look here jeremiah 10 and verse number 21 
For the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. Jeremiah 12, verse number 10. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. And one more, Jeremiah 23, verse number 1. Jeremiah 23, 1. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. I don't mean to be picking on pastors, but they are the, the leaders of the church, and there are a bunch of false pastors out there. It is not always the pastor's fault, though. He is just a member, just like anyone else of the church. He has one vote. He, has, he is the leader of the church, but it's not always the pastor's fault. If he gets outvoted on having some kind of false doctrine brought in, his hands are tied to a certain extent. So it's not always the pastor's fault. The whole church is responsible for false doctrine coming in to the church. The whole church. Not just the teachers, not just the deacons, not just the pastors, but all the whole membership. We know that God may take away the candlestick. Let's go to Revelations. Revelation 2. We're very familiar with this. Revelation 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 to get the, the, um, the storyline here. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them, which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of, of the paradise of God. See, this, the, the, uh, the church at Ephesus was doing and was keeping out that false doctrine according to what he's saying here. I know thy works and labor and patience. Thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them. They have, they have questioned and everything, and they've done these things. We say they are apostles. We question those ones that would come into us and are not and has found them liars. So they are doing the right thing. They were trying to keep out the false doctrine and the false teachers that would come into them, but they forgot something. They had left their first love. <clears throat> the word here, love, is the agape love, that special love toward God. 
bringing false doctrine into the church is a sign of leaving our first love. It is part of bringing that false doctrine in is that we don't have the love for God, for Christ or for God to keep it out, to keep that false doctrine out. <clears throat> Many churches think they are doing everything right. Those that have large numbers, a lot of money, support multitudes of mission works, and on and on. But we'll be surprised when the Lord will say unto them in Matthew 7, let's turn to Matthew 7, we know this verse, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Many churches, a lot of these feel-good churches, is going to have a rude awakening one day. They're going to find out that they're all the false teachings and the doctrines that they teach are not according to God's will. And they, are, they will find out one day. <clears throat> then we're going to get into how to keep false doctrine out. We found out what it is. We figured out how it gets in. Now we're going to see and try and find out how to keep it out of the church. I think the first thing in order to keep it out is to put God first in all things. We have to look to God. If there's any questions, any doubts, we look to God. We look to His Word. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Chapter 9. 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord." What does it say? Look to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is this not being not seen? That's God. We can't see God, but we can understand His Word. We can see these things. Go over to Ephesians chapter 5. 
I'm going to read verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The blemish is false doctrine. That's one of the blemishes. It can be many, but it is false doctrine. If we put God first in our lives, uh, recently I was driving wherever it was down south someplace, and you know how these churches will have signs out on with a some kind of a saying. Some of you may get this. I don't know if you will or not. The sign said, God is not Brill Cream. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but back in the day, there was commercials that said, Brill Cream, a little dab will do you. It was, it's a gel for men. A little bit, it did whatever it needed to do. What this church is saying is, you need more God and less of everything else. Pretty much what it's saying. A little dab will not do you if you're looking at God. God has to be first in all things. Another way to keep it out of the church, study God's word and search the scriptures. All members of the church. I recently listened to Brother Kelly's um, sermon that he did uh, there in Olmstead in in August of 2019, it's on their website if you want to go listen to it. It's called Standing in the Ashes, and it goes right along with this study. It brings out how the Lord's churches are to stand on the foundations of Jesus Christ. And if you have an opportunity, you can look at that. Notice, but let's notice in Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> So read verses 10 through 15. Acts 17, 10 through 15. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. There were more noble, they, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. What I wanted to bring out of this particular instance, when Paul and Silas went to Berea into the synagogue there, the Jews received the word with a willing mind. But notice also they searched the scriptures to be sure what Paul and Silas were preaching was the truth. And the result of that, that preaching and accepting the word 
was that many believed. That's how we need to be. We need to search the scriptures. If there's something that we don't understand, or if there's something that someone is trying to bring forth as far as false doctrine into the church, we need to search the scriptures, all the members, and make sure that what the person is teaching is according to the scriptures. That's how you keep the false doctrine out. We are to believe the word of God. Another way is put on the whole armor of God. And we could read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We know these, these, um, these verses. And we know that we need to be able to put on what is called the whole armor of God. And every piece of the armor that is spoken of in Ephesians is needful to keep out the wrong teachings and to keep out the false doctrine that can come into the churches. We are to keep that armor on at all times. And there's many different things that we can glean from those, those um, verses. But at this time, we'll just, we know them and, and we'll just uh, go on to the next one. We're to avoid those that teach false doctrine. Does that mean we are to shun them altogether? No. They need to be taught the truth of God. We're not to allow them into the pulpit. If they want to come in and they have different doctrine than what we believe, we need to teach that correct doctrine to them. But we are to avoid those that teach the false doctrine as far as letting them teach it from this pulpit. <clears throat> they need the, the, to be taught the truth. Romans um, 16. <clears throat> Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they... For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. We're to mark them. We're to notify them. We're to set them apart. Those that would be, bring in divisions. And like I said before, in order to keep it out, is the same way that it will, it's sort of the same way as it comes in. If we're not teaching sound doctrine, it's coming in. But in order to keep it out, we teach sound doctrine. We have to teach the sound doctrine. <clears throat> Titus. Um, chapter 1, verse number 9. I went to Timothy. Hold on. Titus 1 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. <clears throat> Chapter 2 and verse number 1. Titus 2 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. <clears throat> Another way we keep it out 
were to protect the pulpit from known false teachers. Investigate anyone who wished to bring to the pulpit. Jeremiah, back in Jeremiah once again. Chapter 3, verse number 15. And I will give you... I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. False teachers cannot feed you with true knowledge and understanding. Neither can they make perfect saints. For perfecting the saints, you can only be perfected, perfect the saints teaching sound doctrine and the truth. We should look to have no one but a sound, sovereign grace, independent, landmark, missionary, King James Bible, Baptist preacher in this pulpit. That's what we need. That's what we should have here each and every time that anyone would come in to this pulpit. The church should place a flaming sword At the door to keep it out. Just like God set a flaming sword to keep the way of the tree of life. The flaming sword should be sound doctrine. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. We won't take time there. The word separate in those verses means to set off by boundaries. Make that flaming sword, wherever we put it, it's here in this church. And that is sound doctrine. That's the, the sound doctrine is that boundary by which this church should stand. And we're to keep the world out of the church. Keep them out. And lastly in this, pray. We need to pray that the Lord will instruct us in the correction, in the sound doctrine. Pray that he will alleviate any false doctrine that may come in, creep in some way. We should pray every day that that would happen. Even though we may not see it, sometimes it's there. Sometimes it can come out. Now, I'm just going to go over for just a few minutes here. Examples of sound doctrine. I'll just go through some. We'll read a little bit of scripture and then we'll close here. Let's turn to Philippians first. I want to read a few verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Brother Mike brought these out, but I just it, it came right along with uh, what I was studying here. Um, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. 
All these things, these things that are brought out in verse number 8, all these things and many more, he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in him, we're to do them. The word do means practice, perform repeatedly. That's what we're to do, is to perform these things repeatedly so we don't forget, so that we're continually bringing up these things that we know that is, that is right and that is sound doctrine. <clears throat> we all understand the tulip doctrine, that basically the doctrines of grace. I brought out the, um, the five doctrines of Arminianism. Well, this is the contrary to that. Five doctrines of grace is total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance, and preservation of the saints. That's the five points of the doctrines of grace. That's what needs to be taught. We're to preach against false doctrine listed above. Preach against everything that I mentioned this morning. Most churches... <clears throat> will not preach against all the false doctrine that is being promoted today. They like it. Whatever it is that they like, they'll keep, but they won't preach it out. Think about if you, the um, A.W. Pink has uh, written a book, uh, Attributes of God. If you have not read that, it is a good book. And it brings out every, all the attributes and the different things of God. And when you stop and think, and I'll just mention a few here, the sovereignty of God, the knowledge of God, the foreknowledge of God, His immutability, His holiness, His power, His patience, His mercy, His love, and there's many more. But if you'll turn to Exodus 3, Exodus chapter 3, let's read verse 14 and 15. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I am that I am. The attributes of God that Pink brings out in his book describes the I am, describes him. I am that I am, and that's what the, the attributes bring out. In that meaning, it is he is I am. Other sound doctrine, the Trinity, the truth about creation, election, sin, sanctification, the person of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, repentance, faith, sanctify—sorry, uh, regeneration, justification, adoption, the church, pre-mill, pre-trib, eschatology, that is the uh, theology of the end times, tithing, that's to be taught, the Lord's Supper, what do we believe of the Lord's Supper? Proper elements, aren't it? Isn't it? Wine and the unleavened bread. And it is to be closed. Closed. Not open. Not even close. Closed to the church. 
Scriptural baptism. What is, what is needed in scriptural baptism? The proper church, the proper mode, and the proper candidate. That's what needs to be taught in churches today, and it is not being taught that way. You can bring anybody in that you want to in some of the churches. It's not it's false doctrine. What about church discipline? And on and on and on. Many, many more things that we could bring out. <clears throat> God's people should know sound doctrine. Many Christians do not even believe in the sovereignty of God. Some of the isms that we talked about this morning, they don't believe in the sovereignty of God. Because if they did, they wouldn't be teaching it. <clears throat> How can anyone that does not believe in the sovereignty of God know and teach true sound doctrine? Sound doctrine begins with the sovereignty of God. That's where it starts. Turn to John. We're almost done here. John chapter 10. Verse 22 through 30. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Notice verse 27 explains that we are saved by Jesus Christ. He reveals to us that he is the good shepherd of the sheep. Not the goats, but the sheep. And because we know him, then there is an action of following after that. What does it say? My sheep hear my voice. We heard the voice. He knows. We know him. And he knows us. And the result is they follow him. And they follow me is what he said. There's an action. The word follow here means to be in the same way. If the church is following Jesus Christ, then false doctrine will be rejected in that church. Conclusion. The question we could ask is who hates false doctrine? Do we hate it enough to know what false doctrine is? Do we hate it enough to keep it out of the church? And do we long for the day when there will be no such thing as false doctrine? That's the day that I'm looking forward to, is we're going to be with Jesus Christ. There will not be a hint of false doctrine brought forth when we're with him. I want to read a couple of verses here. Let's go to Acts 17, 27 and 28. Acts 17, 27, 28. They, that they would seek the Lord 
if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And turn to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. We're going to know him. God's people know Jesus Christ. And I want to close in, um, I want to quote A.W. Pink in his, God, in his book, The Sovereignty of God. And he says, present day conditions call loudly for a new ex- examination and a new presentation of God's omnipotency, God's sufficiency, and God's sovereignty. From every pulpit in the land, it needs to be thundered Fourth, that God still lives, that God still observes, and God still reigns. That needs to be put and presented in every pulpit in this land. Why should we hate false doctrine? Well, the best answer I can give, because God hates false doctrine. God hates it. He hates anything that is false, that is contrary to his word. And we're to hate it, as he has given us and he tells us to do. Hope this has been a, a, a blessing for you as it was for me to study it and present it. If you would, let's stand. We'll. Um...